Hi, Tim Roy. Welcome back to Warriors.com. We continue to mock the 2013 NBA draft. Let's run down the selections so far. The Cleveland Cavaliers with the number one pick took Nerlens Noel of Kentucky, the seven-footer. The shooting guard from Kansas, Ben McLemore, went to the Orlando Magic. And then the Washington Wizards, selecting third, took Otto Porter of Georgetown, the 6'9 forward. The Charlotte Bobcats were next up on the clock. And with the fourth overall pick, they took Anthony Ben the power forward from UNLV. Then came the Phoenix Suns, and Victor Oladipo from Indiana was their selection, the 6'4 shooting guard. The New Orleans Pelicans, with their first pick as the Pelicans, took Alex Len, the 7'1 center from Maryland. Number 7 pick, the Sacramento Kings, took point guard Trey Burke of Michigan. And then the Detroit Pistons took uh, took C.J. McCollum of Lehigh, as selected by Keith Langlois from Pistons.com. With the number nine pick, the Minnesota Timberwolves took Contavious Caldwell-Pope, the swingman from Georgia, only 20 years of age. Those are our first nine picks in our 2013 mock draft. On to pick number 10, and to help us with that, the Portland Trailblazers on the clock, and the voice of the Trailblazers, Brian Wheeler, nice enough to join us. Wheels, how are you doing today? Jim, doing fine, and uh, looking forward to... uh... The draft, this one has um, been very interesting to try to um, forecast ahead of time based on the fact that uh, there are a lot of differing opinions about the guys that are available. And so I think uh, we could see a, a wild swing of, uh, of opinions from, uh, from one guy to the next. And so I'm curious to see how it's all going to play out. Tell me, uh, first of all, before we get into the Trailblazers, the uh, NBA Finals have just concluded. The Miami Heat are the defending champions yet again. Uh, what a what a great end to that series! Yeah, it was interesting uh, when we got to about uh, the end of Game Five. I, I I think I said to somebody it was the it was the most uh, uncompetitive competitive series that I had seen uh, with all the blowouts that we had, other than Game One. But boy, games uh, six and seven certainly made up for things. And uh, you always remember, of course, how things uh, how things ended uh, to kind of give you the lasting memory. So without question. Uh, it goes down as a, as a classic finals with uh, what happened in Miami in the last two games. And uh, and I feel badly for the Spurs, obviously, with the game six uh, so much within their reach and an opportunity to, to win a championship. And you can certainly see how the fortunes of, uh, of people can change very quickly because had the Spurs wrapped that up in, in six games, I think uh, people would have been taking some shots at LeBron James and uh, talking about being one and three in the finals. And uh, he uh, didn't come through in the clutch again, but um, he had the opportunity with the uh, great shot by Ray Allen to have that game go to overtime and then uh, uh, ended up putting up a triple-double in game six and then was simply uh, the best player on the court by far in game seven and was uh, simply sensational. So uh, we're going to remember him for a lot of different reasons now by uh, leading his team to back-to-back championships and uh, also being uh, back-to-back not only regular season but finals uh, MVP as well. So it's a whole different uh, memory that we'll have of LeBron based on uh, the fact that uh, the Heat were able to rally and win that game six and then uh, uh, really had uh, the, uh, the the better of the play in game seven. But uh, it's, a, it's a bitter defeat for the Spurs, I know, first time that they've been beaten in the finals, but certainly a very, very uh, – uh, very, very satisfying series, as it turns out, based on the last two games, kind of leaving everybody with uh, some, some great, great memories for the future. 
So, uh, Brian, we, we look at the Trailblazers, and that was well said, by the way. 33-49 and 49 a year ago. There is some cap room. You have four draft picks, the number 10, and then the three in the second round. Uh, last year at this time, you were picking for the Trailblazers, and you cor- correctly picked Damian Lillard, who was a rookie of the year. Uh, Oakland's own uh, just had an outstanding season. Uh, it seemed like the starting five, Brian, for the Blazers last year was pretty solid. Maybe not spectacular, but, but a good starting five. But it was the bench that really hurt them. So I've, obviously coming into this season, you'd have to think that building up uh, depth and uh, players to give that starting five some rest would be the big uh, big factor for the Trailblazers. Yeah, without question. And uh, I think uh, the uh, Blazers have also targeted uh, a need for a starting center. J.J. Hickson uh, did really uh, yeoman's work last season playing out of position, and uh, there were a lot of nights that uh, he uh, was going up against the guys that were certainly bigger and more physical than he was, having to be a natural power forward playing the center position. And uh, the Blazers also selected Myers Leonard in the first round last season, and they still have very high hopes for him, but it was clear that uh, Damian Lillard was far more ready to jump right into the NBA game than uh, Leonard was, and big guys seemed to develop a little uh, slower anyway. So you uh, factor that in, and also the fact that uh, Leonard was coming into the NBA just out of uh, two seasons of college and really only one that he played significant minutes. So uh, Leonard uh, still considered a bit of a, of a project and someone that uh, they have high hopes for, but probably still isn't ready to step into the starting center position on a night and night out basis. So uh, General Manager Neil O'Shea has said that uh, a, a big man, a starting center, is probably uh, the number one need in the off season. But I think he has felt that for the most part, that's probably going to have to be a position that will be acquired in a trade. And so I think uh, I look for the Blazers to at least uh, look at that possibility. If they can't find uh, a trade partner, then they may have to uh, look at someone via free agency. I'm not so sure that they'll be able to pick up that starting center in this draft, but uh, as you mentioned, they certainly have some need for at least depth, if nothing else, and uh, I think at number 10, they can at least get somebody that could be a rotation player and somebody that uh, would be able to uh, uh, get meaningful minutes from uh, from day one of the regular season. J.J. Hickson is a, is an unrestricted free agent, I believe. Are, are there any uh, worries about him going somewhere else? Yeah, I think I think he probably has played his last game with the Blazers, and it's not that uh, they don't appreciate what he did for them last season, and I think he also enjoyed his time with the Blazers. But considering his age, I mean, if he was 37, it would be a far different scenario. But considering he's 24, I think he figures that uh, he's got some very good uh, years ahead of him, and I think he's ready to be a starter, but a starter at power forward. And unfortunately for him, uh, the Blazers have a two-time All-Star in LaMarcus Aldridge at that position, so he's not going to start with the Blazers. If he was content to, to be a part of a rotation and somebody that would uh, would get significant playing time, even if he wasn't starting, I think the Blazers would be very interested in bringing him back. And I guess there could be some scenario where maybe he doesn't get uh, the response that he's hoping for when he's out on the unrestricted free agent market, but I have a feeling that based on the numbers that he put up and, and what uh, he was able to do last season, that someone's going to offer him some dollars, maybe not as many dollars as he'd like, but I have a feeling that somebody out there will give him 
a little bit more of uh, a starting assignment and, and maybe minutes that uh, he's looking for that the Blazers probably aren't going to be able to do. So uh, I would be very surprised if he's back in a Blazers uniform next season. Neil O'Shea has also said that there's no way that, despite what J.J. did, there's no way the Blazers can trot him back out as a starting center again at the beginning of next season. So they, they realize that. I think uh, J.J. and his agent realize that. So uh, I think the odds are that he'll be playing elsewhere next season. So, Brian, the uh, the pressure's on now. Last year you were right on target with Damian Lillard. This year a little more uh, tricky with the number 10 pick. So when the Blazers walk up uh, and make that phone call to the the uh, people in New York and, and uh, David Stern walks up to the podium, what does he say uh, when the Trailblazers go to select if the 2013 NBA draft proceeds as our mock draft has done? Well, you're right about uh, about that. And last year, I felt uh, pretty confident about making the uh, selection of of Damian Lillard. I'm I'm a little less sure about this one, but uh, I think if the draft goes as it has been uh, forecast so far uh, in your mock draft, I'm thinking that David Stern is going to say, with the number ten selection, the Portland Trailblazers have taken forward Cody Zeller of Indiana. So Cody Zeller, the uh, seventh footer, he's got. Uh... His brother's in the league. He, of course, is 20 years old, uh, seven foot, 230 pounds out of Indiana. He was the uh, cover guy for Sports Illustrated this uh, past year uh, for the uh, Hoosiers. And, and he kind of helps in, in the sense where you, what you were talking about. He can uh, go and play alongside LaMarcus Aldridge and give them a one-two punch inside. Yeah, and I think he's somebody that, uh, you know, power forward is going to be his natural position. So uh, I don't see him starting on opening night. But, again, with the way that so many NBA teams are looking for versatility these days, I could see a lot of alignment uh, alignments where the Blazers would play uh, Seller and, uh, and Aldridge together. I think despite the fact that Cody had a uh, uh, probably for him a subpar NCAA tournament, I think uh, he was certainly a terrific player during the regular season, and there were some people that thought he would go uh, maybe in the top five in the draft for a lot of the regular season. So I think to have him still available at number 10 if the Blazers are in that position, uh, they, you know, they, they probably would be targeting, uh, for the most part, uh, in the draft a wing player. And so the two guys going right ahead of, the, of them in this draft the way that it's played out uh, for you guys as C.J. McCollum and Contavious Caldwell-Pope, I think those would be a couple of guys that would be uh, solid candidates to be chosen by the Blazers if they were available, and they both have come in for pre-draft workouts. Uh, Zeller came in and worked out uh, by himself, and sometimes we get an indication of uh, uh, we try to read into things, and when older Paul Allen uh, comes in for a pre-draft workout, you you tend to think that that's somebody that uh, is a serious candidate to be chosen by the Blazers, and he's been around for a few, and one of them was for the Zeller workout. So I think that uh, that gives you an indication that the Blazers certainly uh, think very highly of him. So I don't know that he will be available at number ten, but I think if he is, and everybody else is gone ahead of uh, ahead of the Blazers selection, as is the case in your draft, I could see that Zeller would be a, a guy the Blazers would be very happy would still be on the board. Brian Wheeler, the voice of the Portland Trailblazers, thank you so much for helping us mock the 2013 NBA draft. Very good, Tim. My pleasure. So Cody Zeller of Indiana goes to the Portland Trailblazers. Hi, Tim Roy. Our mock draft continues here at Warriors.com. Next up on the clock, the Philadelphia 76ers right here at Warriors.com.